It's September here in the Colorado Rockies, and everyone's out looking at the fall colors. But you know what fall colors I'm looking at? The beautiful buttery browns. We're going to talk about the fall brown trout fishing on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in once again uh, on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things, and that is fall brown trout fishing. Now, if you're a big fan of Fishful Thinker, first of all, I appreciate that. Second of all, you'll know that we make an annual pilgrimage to go do some brown trout fishing every year in September, October, or November. Uh, sometimes all of the above, and uh, it's one of the few trips that I do uh, almost every single year just for fun as well. And when you film 26 TV shows a year and guide all the time, I don't do a lot of traveling per se to go fun fishing unless it's completely into you know out of my area altogether. And brown trout, I make the exception for. And there's some reason, uh, something about them that just really is. Uh, Really, they're just, I think it's the attitude, the overall look, the kipe on the jaw, the coloring they get, the just overall, yeah, like I said, attitude that makes them really fun to fish. And another part of the reason I really like brown trout fishing in the fall is a lot of people are busy hunting and therefore not on the water, myself included, a lot of the time. Uh, I've already been doing a fair bit of hunting this year, and we're just getting seasons wrapped up, so that cuts into my fishing time a little bit, so when I do take time to fish, it's most likely going to be for brown trout at this time of year. Uh, we see some of our most beautiful fish of the year uh, every year in September, October, or November. Um, we see some of our most aggressive bites every year at this time of year from, from trout like that. And, uh, and just in general, they, uh, they're just a really exciting sport fish uh, for, to, to pursue at this time of the season. And, you know, here we're a little bit early right now. This is being recorded on the, what where are we, about the 15th of September. So we're a little bit early. So what we're really talking about right this minute when it comes to brown trout is uh, a pre-spawn bite and you know pre-spawn is generally regarded as a great time to fish for any species of fish as they're getting ready to spawn they will feed uh, they'll feed heavily uh, the females especially will feed very heavily as they're finishing off their eggs uh, getting them ready to drop and the males will as well don't get me wrong but the females of any given fish species are larger and uh and so they feed up really well this time of year, and that's a key part of it at this time, you know, here in September. Another thing about it, this at this time of the season, the waters are just really starting to cool down, and the fish are starting to get giddy, and that will get better and better and better as time goes on. So if we start out with talking a little bit of timing, it'll depend a little bit on where you are in the country uh, or in the Rocky Mountain region. I happen to be in northern Colorado, uh, typically it's October that it's really going to peak where you're going to get, you know, a, a big number of brown trout that are uh, up very shallow doing their thing. And uh, that's going to be, like I said, more of an October situation than anything else. But having said that, um, you, you'll still experience some fantastic brown trout fishing all the way till ice in. And some of that will be fish feeding up after the spawn. 
Uh, some of it will be because they don't all spawn at the same time. It's not like every brown trout in the lake decides at the same moment they're going to run up on the bank and spawn. Uh, or every brown trout in the river, it's kind of a long progression, no different than it is with bass or walleye spawn or anything else. The bass spawn in my home lake takes something like a month for the whole thing to go down. Same thing with the brown trout up in, uh, say, North Park, South Park, some of the places in Colorado that are really synonymous with brown trout. Uh, Here in Colorado, brown trout are are basically the only trout that are completely self-sustaining or the only trout that are available in large numbers that are self-sustaining in population. That is, they reproduce well enough in running water situations that they sustain their own population. Parks and Wildlife doesn't do a whole lot of supplanting them uh, unless they need to, instances of a fire or something like that, forest fire that's hurt a population of fish, they'll, they'll bolster them. Uh, with some fingerlings, that's being done right now uh, in several areas uh, right around my house. In, in Poudre Canyon particularly is a noted brown trout fishery, Cashla Poudre River, um, but we've had fires and floods over the last couple of years that have beat that fishery up a little bit, and Colorado Parks and Wildlife has taken time to get the population reestablished. Once that population is at full health, they will reproduce and maintain their populations. And the reason I bring that up is... Right away, whenever we start talking about fishing the browns of fall, and every time we put it on television, which again we do almost every season of Fishful Thinker, we'll do a brown trout show in the fall of the year again because it's it's just such a fun fun time to fish. You know, call me selfish as a show host, but if I'm going to not get rich doing something, I'd rather not get rich doing something I like. So uh, I like fishing for browns, and therefore we're going to do some television shows for them. We always get good comments from a lot of you. We also always get hate mail from a lot of you for thinking that we're messing up their spawn and I don't, I'm not generally kind of guy to defend my actions because I don't feel like I need to, but in this particular case, I'm going to. And that is that I've had long conversations with several of the managing biologists for the state of Wyoming, as well as Colorado, uh, the brown trout in all the lakes that we visit. And I mean, all the lakes that we visit, I have not had, there's not one exception to it. The brown trout and all the lakes that we visit are put there by man. They, even though you will see them going through the motions on the bank, if you go up to say any one of the Delaney complex lakes, or you go down to, to, you know, to, to South Park, Colorado, or even some of the Browns in Middle Park, they will go through the motions. They'll look like they're going to spawn and they will not do so uh, effectively. And the reason being is they don't have enough running water and the substrate's not good enough and the water quality and the water temperature's not good enough. So Parks and Wildlife will trap them, artificially inseminate them, uh, breed them out in a hatchery, and then restock them out wherever they need, including the lakes they trapped them in in the first place. So before you want to yell about, oh, don't fish for, you shouldn't be fishing for those brown trout in that lake when they're trying to spawn. Well, that is not the case. Uh, in terms of population, that is not the case. You, whatever other ethics you have, that's fine, but I am not hurting the population by doing so. That same cannot be said for some of the rivers. The Colorado River, they're self-sustaining. So the last thing, as we get deeper into this, that I'm going to suggest you do is fish for brown trout on their on their reds or their beds, whatever you want to call them, uh, in the river situation. In that situation, in a river, in the Colorado River, the Roaring Fork River, the Poudre River, the Platte River, the overwhelming majority of the browns in there are in there because they are spawned 
uh, or they spawn naturally in the in the river. So in that situation, we are not going to mess with those fish. Having said that, as I already mentioned, they don't all spawn at once. And so if you've got some fish that are on reds and riffles in the river, you can count on the fact that there's going to be some in the runs below those those uh, those riffle areas that will have brown trout that are staged up and getting ready to spawn or that have already spawned and that are feeding back up. And those are the fish that we'll target on any given day if we're going to go fish the rivers. But to be honest with you, most of my fall fishing for browns involves uh, standing water. And that's just for the reason I already said, they're not reproducing there anyway, for one. And for two, they have high densities of browns in the waters that will target this time of year. You're going to get a lot of action at the end of the day. And one thing I know about fishing around any fish that's spawning, the more of them there are in a small area, the better the fishing can be because they will get agitated, irritated with each other and aggressive with each other. And all you have to do is make your lure be one of those each other's quote unquote. And, uh, and lo and behold, you can get all kinds of bites. So let's dive in a little bit with, uh, with what, uh, how we go about approaching catching them. We'll start with standing water and then we'll, we'll move a little bit into still water. For me, you know, from say now on September all the way until the, the lakes freeze up, it's going to be a, a big lure or a big fly game. This is the time of year that I will throw my largest lures for trout uh, or my largest lures that I'll ever throw for trout, I should say. Um, that means that I'm going to throw something like uh, a six inch long or seven inch long or more lure, hard lure of some sort to get a lot of these fish to bite. And if I'm going to throw flies, same thing. And the, the last time I fly fished for spawning brown, we were literally using sailfish flies, great big giant saltwater flies in extremely gaudy colors. And uh, the reason being is I'm, I'm, that's part of the reason I enjoy fishing them in this style uh, is you can get away with the big lures. For two, I can land and be easy on fish because I'm using heavy tackle. So if I'm worried about fish, say, in a river situation, I know we're talking still water, but let's say I'm worried about river fish that I do want them to spawn healthy. Or, for instance, if I'm in the still water situation and I know that two weeks from now, Parks and Wildlife is going to be trapping these browns and using them for egg production, um, well, then the easier I can be on those fish, and as far as getting them put back, the better condition they'll be in in that situation. So the large lures let me fish with large tackle, which makes me be very easy on fish. The One of the funniest things ever um, was a large brown trout that I caught, uh, and I caught him up at Delaney Buttes Complex in, in the North Park area of Colorado. And it was one of the bigger browns I've caught in there. And I almost never weigh or measure fish, but this fish was in the maybe eight pound range, good size brown, big, big brown trout. And, uh, and I caught him on a, a big old floating rapala, the old school floating rapala, and I caught him on a number 13, right? So that's a big bait. I mean, that's a pike bait by any standards. And, uh, and I caught him swimming that right under the surface. And there was a bunch of fly guys that had been, been fishing there for a while. And, uh, and, when I landed this fish, as soon as I bring him in the boat, and I've got him on like 15-pound braid and a 15-pound leader and a, you know, a medium-heavy-powered spinning rod. i got him on big tackle. 
I net him, bring him in the boat. His entire lips were coated with little tiny midges that he had broke off from a bunch of fly guys. He had like 12 flies broke off in his face. This fish had bit a lot of small flies in the last not too long period of time and had beat all those guys because they're throwing them on little tiny tippets and the, which they need to, to throw the little size 22, 24, whatever they were, flies. And the fish was winning consistently <laughs> over those fly guys. But he had no chance uh, with the big giant plug with me in terms of, uh, of, of getting that thing to break off, which is good because you don't want to be breaking stuff off in fish. It, ironically, I pulled all the flies out of that fish before I let him go and uh, felt pretty good about stocking my fly box that way. But uh, that's a whole nother story. So back to the, to the focus here, um, big baits. These days, I don't throw the floating rappelas anymore. And the reason being is they're expensive, fragile, and inconsistent. The baits I prefer is the hit stick, uh, which is designed to mimic a very similar action. It's nothing against the action of a floating rappela. Fantastic bait when you get one that runs right and is in good condition. Um, but you constantly have to tune it. It's very finicky. It's different in cold water than warm water, blah, blah, blah. The hit stick basically has a lot of the same attributes that that floating rapala does. Uh, the guys that designed that bait spent a lot of time to make it roll in the same way that a rapala bait rolls, uh, which is side to side as opposed to to, uh, to you know, uh, yaw, it actually has a roll. If you're familiar with airplane terms, you have yaw, pitch, and roll. Uh, the bait rolls side to side more than it yaws around its axis. So it's a very good bait for generating bites. It's buoyant, uh, similar to the floating rapala. And and to be, to be really honest, a lot of these bites were developed for me two decades ago around the floating rapala and that bait has since been supplanted with technology and uh, a bait that's much less expensive, much more durable, uh, much more consistent and better colors all the way around. So the hit stick's a great choice. I'm going to start no smaller than a nine, um, a nine centimeter, no smaller than that. And even at that range, it's going to be in a small small river type situation if I'm going to throw one that small. Most of the time it's going to be an 11 or a 13. It's going to be an 11 centimeter or 13 centimeter bait, a great big bait. And the reason basically is this, the brown trout in the fall just don't play well with others. The reason they have a kipe on their jaw is so they can compete with other males. That's why they get that kipe or the hook on the end of the jaw. You notice their teeth are a lot more pronounced as well at this time of year. And again, that's for the territorialness of the whole thing. And if you watch them posture on each other, there's no question. They don't, they just don't play well with others at this time of year. So a great big bait, like a, a number 11 or number 13 hit stick, gives them something other than food to bite. In other words, yes, it's a big bite and brown trout love big bites. And on a pre-spawn situation, like right now, like you know mid-September, Absolutely, they will bite and eat that and uh, without any question. But when we get closer to the spawn, it may be that they're biting it because they are irritable and it is large enough to present an actual threat in their range. They may not care about a little minnow that's swimming around near them if they're not in the, in the act of feeding, but they are for sure going to care about another you know, seven inch long fish of some sort that's, that's up in their business while they're trying to do, uh, establish their own territories or impress females or whatever else is going on around the pre-spawn situation. 
So the big lures will give you aggression bites. They'll get you curiosity bites. They'll get you territorial bites, um, not just feeding bites. And that's one of the things that I really like about the great big baits. The other thing I like about the big baits this time of year is you can get the biggest fish to move. Um, whereas with a smaller bait, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I've done this in rivers enough to know where... I've got a brown trout in the fall and he won't bite and he won't bite and he won't bite and I can't get him to bite. One of the reasons or one of the ways I will often get him to bite is just continuously upsizing a lure until it's to the point of being a definite nuisance for him. Just for the record, I do the same thing for largemouth or smallmouth bass on their spawn cycles. If I can't get them to bite, I'll put a great big lure on. The bigger the lure gets, the more threatening it gets to the fish and at some point they'll bite it out of pure aggression. And that's one of the things I will key on with brown trout for sure. So another thing that you can get them irritated with besides just the pure size of your lure is the action of your lure. If you make your lure all erratic and crazy, you can irritate fish more. And if the lure is very rhythmic, maybe it gets them, maybe it doesn't. But if it's erratic, uh, maybe with a stop-and-go retrieve or a very fast snappy retrieve or a traditional jerkbait-type retrieve, um, then you can get a lot of the fish to bite based on on the fact that the, the lure's acting crazy, so to speak, and you'll get them you'll get them excited or fired up about it. Another really good one, which works particularly when they're feeding up in the pre-spawn, this works great in the river, and it works with a bigger than average lure. And I've done this before with the 10-inch Sabeel Magic Swimmer. And I want to point out that that's a large bait. It's 10 inches long. It's designed to mimic a stock or trout. It looks very real. It's got a very realistic swimming action to it, um, but you could probably do it with a bunch of other swim baits as well. But that Sabeel one works really good uh, for this particular application, and that is to crowd a fish in a feeding lane. So long story short, um, if you can find a brown feeding somewhere and you can see him in a feeding lane, a lot of the times he'll be up against the edge of the bank this time of year particularly brown, some sort of an undercut bank, or even if you don't even know they're under there, you let that bait go, throw it across the current, let it get down current, and then basically hold it and let it swim in the current right in front of or right next to the brown that you're watching feed or under the undercut that you watched him go under and just let it swim there in the current. Don't pull it away. Just let the current make that bait continuously swim in spot. And what will happen, you'll find out if you watch that fish very close, you'll notice that his pectoral fins will start going. As he gets more and more irritated, he'll, you'll, you'll see his jaw start snapping. Uh, they'll get very irritated by that lure and eventually they will smack it. And I have had a couple instances of letting that 10 inch magic swimmer sit there next to a, a two foot long brown or a 20 inch long brown i mean the, the bait is literally half as big as he is and if you just keep crowding him with it and just swim it across in front of him drift it back towards right next to him and just crowd him with it eventually he'll bite it out of just sheer aggression or territorialness or whatever to be honest with you i don't care why he bit it just that he does bite it and it works surprisingly well but the only time of year it works is in the fall. The rest of the time, if you do that, what he's going to eventually do is get irritated and leave. He's got a different attitude about it in the rest of the year, and that same thing uh, will transpire in standing water. What you can also do is run a jerkbait into an area where you believe there's a bunch of them sitting, maybe on a gravel bar or something like that, and then just kill it and let it sit there. 
and you'll be surprised that on a very long pause, one of them will bite it, and it's because I believe the bait just crowds their area. It is it is not a, an area that they want other lures in or they want other fish in, and they're going to determine that that one's not supposed to be there, and they're going to smack it. So the great big baits are really key. I just mentioned the, the Magic Swimmer, but if you're, a, if you're one of those guys that loves throwing swim baits for bass and walleyes, well, maybe you need to go to a really good brown trout lake and run that swim bait around in areas that you expect that they're going to uh, to spawn. And you may find that you get some gigantic trout to bite that swim bait that you never in a million years would have thought they would do. Uh, in a in a some sort of a big soft trout looking swim bait's a great call. You can do the same thing just for the record with something like a Berkeley Power Swimmer and a five inch version on a jig head. Um, that doesn't require quite as specialized a tackle as, say, a 10-inch long 4-ounce swim bait might. Uh, that will work really good for you. Also, possibilities um, besides that Magic Swimmer that I mentioned, which is available in some smaller than 10-inch sizes as well. That 10-inch one, again, requires specialized tackle to throw. It's a very heavy bait. But they make them in, in smaller versions up to, say, 6 inches that you can throw on a regular spinning rod without any problem. So that is an excellent choice to throw uh, around browns. Another one that's really good to throw that can be an irritant, and I do this on a complete rip and pause uh, retrieve is a lipless crankbait. For me, that's a war pig. For you, it could be who knows what. There's every company makes a lipless crankbait of some sort. Uh, three quarter ounce uh, Berkeley war pig is a fantastic bait in the fall for browns. And again, to rip it, just rip it hard. Let the BBs that are inside of it do what they do. It'll almost sound like shattering glass when you rip it underwater. You can even hear it. I've done demos and demo tanks. You can hear it. Uh, it will get their undivided attention uh, when you rip that thing. And then when you kill it and it starts shimmying back down, a lot of the times is when they'll smack it. And uh, and that's an excellent bait to throw in, in the fall for brown trout as well. Another one that you might not be thinking of, it can almost guarantee you're not thinking of, is a buzz bait, like a bass fishing buzz bait. A, you would be amazed at how hard a brown trout will run that thing down and smash it around the spawn. And I'm not sure what it uh, has to do about the rest of the season. It doesn't work for browns, although it will work for rainbows, oddly enough. Um, the buzz bait's a fantastic bait in the fall, or even better is these days, particularly since it was launched last year, is a little tiny chopo. You may be familiar with a plopper style bait, the number 75 chopo, little, the, the smallest chopo they make, which is still a you know four inch long bait. Uh, makes an incredible amount of noise, super fun to fish, uh, stays on the surface. You're not ever going to snag it on anything other than maybe some vegetation. Works really good uh, for getting browns to bite. And I'm really giddy about running that this year. We had some pre-production models last year. Now we've got the full production models in time for this season. We'll see what's going to happen with that. But another really good bait. Um, and at the end of the day, basically any sort of a four inch, five inch, six inch, or seven inch, like a gulp jerk shad or a soft jerk bait. For me, it's gulp. Uh, most of the lakes that have the flies and artificial lures only restriction that I fish will allow you around that so long as your bait is over an inch and a half long. The reason that restriction's there is to keep fish from swallowing the bait, which is why I'm not sitting here advocating that you throw power bait, uh, traditional power bait dough bait, because a lot of the lakes are closed to that uh, this time of year, at least here in my region, and I don't know about your region, but if, if the lake is not closed to them, then, a, then power bait can be a viable 
solution for you, but it needs to be, in my opinion, molded into a retrievable shape and retrieved as opposed to dead drifted. Because again, these fish are not typically feeding as well as they are um, getting ready to spawn. And the pre-spawn fish are looking for big bites and they're running fish type stuff down. They're almost pure piscivores this time of year. And, uh, and therefore, that's why I take advantage of that with the, with the lures that we do as opposed to uh, some of the other things. Uh, this time of year, I shy away from all the traditional trout stuff. It's rare that I throw a spoon for browns in the fall. Um, it's rare that I throw us an inline spinner for browns in the fall. It's, this is the time when everything looks like fish, vibrates like fish, moves like fish, works very fast. Uh, that's what's important to me at this time of year. So where do we go about looking for said browns? Most of the lakes I've, I've already referenced in North Park, South Park, any of the Wyoming Plains lakes, the Laramie Plains lakes, uh, they are heavily vegetated lakes, which makes for fantastic fisheries, but the browns are looking for gravel, uh, sand or gravel to spawn on. So when you're going looking for them in those lakes, you want to go to the area where there's either water running in of any kind, water running out of any kind, or where there's exposed rock or gravel. That's what they're going to be looking for. So when I go, I can count on year in and year out that I'm going to locate them in the same places because they're going to be on that gravel. And that gravel doesn't typically change a lot year to year. That's where you're going to find a lot of your fish. Holes in the weeds where there's hard bottom or rock underneath it. Also fantastic places to locate those browns. Um, and so we'll look for them around there as well. And keep in mind, as I said, they don't all spawn at once. So you may find that the weed beds adjacent to those are loaded with browns that are feeding up, uh, getting ready for their spawn. So in the same way that you may find the run uh, just upstream or downstream from the riffle they're going to spawn into the river, that run right below it may be completely loaded with browns that are in there feeding up and getting getting ready for uh, you know for the big the big spawn season that they're going to go into. And again, um, it's the same kind of thing. They're not all spawning at the same time. If I'm going to fish those runs, I am going to pretty much always be fishing um, big baits. I'm going to, uh, in a lot of cases, be throwing something like a four or five inch jig, depending on how deep the run is. Uh, a four or five inch, uh, either a gulp jerk shad or you know something along those lines, a power big power minnow, a power jerk shad, something like that uh, on a jig head, uh, or I'm going to be throwing the big jerk bait of some sort. That's really basically the only two things I'm going to throw in the river at this time of year, again, because I'm targeting a specific bite from these fish. So that makes tra you know traveling tackle very, very easy. You know, the other possible exception being the swim bait that I, that I already mentioned. But basically, I can carry, you know, four jerk baits, two swim baits, and a and a half dozen jig heads, and I can get after them any river in, in Colorado. Now, there's one conundrum that happens in the fall that can keep you a little bit honest as an angler, and that is the low water. The low water situations uh, in the river, because it's fall and there's just not as much flow, it's very natural, um, that will make water low and clear in a lot of cases. Well, that's the opposite of the condition I would normally look for for throwing big baits. So the one exception to the whole situation is if the water's too low for me to effectively present a big bait, then I will start downsizing a little bit. But in no case is the lure going to get away from being very fishy. It's going to be a 
jerkbait shape, it's going to be a fish-shaped lure. It's not going to be a, an abstract-shaped lure like a spoon or a inline spinner or something like that. It's going to be a very fishy-looking lure because I'm taking advantage of of their kite and their and their aggressiveness in that regard. So, uh, when when the best time to fish? Let's talk about that a little bit. When's the best time to fish for browns? The windy days, in my opinion, are always better. Um, having said that, my single best day ever for fishing them was uh, very, very low ceiling, uh, no wind at all, very cold, um, very, very cold, steely, gray-looking day. And they were biting, just knocking the hooks off a of number 13 uh, Rapala bait. I, this was, again, years ago before the hit stick came out. And I, I don't throw the Rapalas now, uh, for as we've already mentioned. But that same style, that bite, where running the thing real erratic just under the surface, then kill it and let it float up. And as it floats up, they'd smack it. And uh, and I mean smack it like it owed them money. We caught so many fish that day. It was one of the most incredible days of fishing ever. Other than that, most of them are going to be your windiest days. Uh, the windy days are just really good for browns in the fall. They really like those windy days. If you've really got the the urge for adventure and you really want to catch a great big brown and you're willing to put up with some cold conditions because it can be cold this time of year uh, up where these brown live, particularly when you get in October, um, consider going night fishing. The browns... Large browns can get very nocturnal, and they will get very confident at night. And so if the area you're fishing will allow you to fish at night, and you can put on your big boy pants and stay warm, uh, you can catch some giants fishing at night. And in that case, that's when I'm going to get out the swim bait uh, for sure, and I'm going to run it around because I'm not going to go indoor freezing cold and being out in the lake at night and da-da-da-da-da so that I can fish for average browns. If I'm going to do that, I want the biggest brown in the lake, and the best way to, to get that fish to bite is to give him a reason to bite. For real, he'll have the confidence in the dark to bite, uh, where in the daylight they might not. They're very, very aggressive in the dark, just like a lot of other animals are, and... Um, that will be a great time to catch them. So if you're really a trophy hunting guy and you really want to catch a giant, take the baits I've already talked about, go to some of the lakes I've already mentioned, and fish them at 2 o'clock in the morning. You might find the type of brown that uh, that, that people dream about, and that would be a really good call uh, You know, if, if you want a serious adventure. We don't do it at night very much because it messes up my schedule too much from, from other things I have going on in terms of guiding and things like that. Uh, and we don't film it at night because if you have all the lights on, you ruin the effect. If you don't have the lights on, it makes for a pretty dark TV show. So we don't film it at night. But uh, but I can tell you that it's a great way to catch some really big ones. And, uh, and that's important too. Um, lastly, I'll throw out here this. If you show up and for whatever reason the Browns aren't playing, um, and that's rare, but let's say it's a very sunny day and the, the Browns are just not showing the aggression, it's calm and sunny, what your best option is to fish under those fish, slightly deeper than those fish, adjacent to where the, the, the browns you expect to be, downsize a whole bunch to something like a two and a half inch powerbait max scent tube or something along those lines, or a beetle boo jig, a Johnson beetle boo jig, and fish under or behind those browns, and you may find the biggest rainbows you have ever seen there. So, 
those rainbows will come in and try to take advantage of the eggs being dropped from the from the females and the rainbows are then feeding very tight to the bottom on much smaller food sources so keep that in mind the browns i find you're better to fish at or above their level uh, which is consistent with a lot of bites that we deal with but the rainbows that are feeding on the brown eggs are best addressed by fishing right on the bottom and or as close to the bottom as you can and that will work out really good for catching some of those and you'd be amazed some of the biggest uh, rainbows every year are caught or that we catch every year are caught while we're fishing around the, the pre-spawn browns usually i'll take a, a little bit of advantage of that and uh, spend part of my day anyway targeting those guys and you'll catch some great big ones of those while you're fishing for browns so um that's just my whole my, that's kind of my spiel on that guys it's not terribly technical that's one of the things that's good about it um we try to be very easy on fish this time of year we always try to be easy on fish but when, when we're dealing with fish that we know are heading into their spawn cycle we try to be even easier quicker on them um, put them in fray bill nets with a big flat bottom and a rubberized mesh so that they can very easily swim around in there and, and keep their act together while you get them unhooked and maybe get ready for a picture or whatever you're going to do keep the fish in the water but we're very easy on fish that way we're throwing all of our biggest baits which means we can throw them on big tackle which means we can land them easy so that's a good call as well and then the last thing i'll throw out there is resist the temptation to downsize most commonly we're going to do better when we upsize than if we downsize when you downsize your catch rate may go up a little bit but you're going to start looking at fish that aren't mature enough to spawn so they're there they're all excited in the same way that maybe uh, uh if you're a deer hunter a, a spiker a little four corn buck he's all giddy that this that the rut's going on but he doesn't know why well that's the same thing with a 10 inch brown he you know 12 inch brown he's banging around with a bunch of these 20 22 inch 24 inch buddies of his but he doesn't understand what's going on with him and he'll bite all kinds of stuff whereas those great big fish are more inclined to bite the big bait so avoid the temptation to downsize you're out there for a reason you're looking for big ones well keep the big bait in your hand and uh and stay after it and you'll find you get after them as far as colors go for me a lot of times it's going to be a trout color either a rainbow trout or a brown trout color it's going to be maybe a gold hue of some sort again to sort of half mimic the colors of the browns themselves um, but any sort of a trout color and generally or a sucker color will get you bites this time of year um, a hot orange can be a really good color as well uh, a hot red can be a good color but basically again we're not matching anything. we want to be a fish looking thing that is more or less the color range that you might expect out of the browns you're fishing around and uh, and that will get you plenty of bites so guys Get out and get after them. If you have brown trout in your, in your area, this is the time of year to do it. And uh, if you have questions, shoot me an email. and be glad to help you out there at chat at fishfulthinker.com. We would appreciate it very much if you join the conversation on our social media. That would be at Fishful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, obviously our YouTube channel, there's a bunch of videos there. We do at least one, sometimes two a week there. We'd love to have you check that out. And, of course, uh, tune in and see what we're up to on Altitude Sports and World Fishing Network. So we appreciate you tuning in. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.